Welcome to WLN's Breaking Barriers podcast. On this show, you will hear the incredible real-life experiences from accomplished, inspiring women leaders. Together, we will learn, discuss, and discover how to effectively overcome challenges, break barriers, and better navigate our personal and professional lives. You will feel transformed and inspired to take action with practical strategies to help you succeed. We are stronger together and so grateful for you, our listeners, and our guests. Your continued support allows us to keep developing Breaking Barriers and provide you with great content. To donate and become a member of our community, please go to patreon.com forward slash WLN Breaking Barriers or click on the Become a Patron button on your favorite podcast platform. Let's keep breaking barriers. Kim Smiley is an artist, fashion designer, and social entrepreneur. Kim pursued advanced degrees at McGill and Harvard University, where she graduated first in her class. She later conducted a postgraduate fellowship And while in Tokyo, Kim discovered metallic lace that would become her external canvas. As a woman, Kim believes we apologize too much, and I tend to agree with her. So she unapologetically leaves you with this. Kim Smiley is building an empathy empire, marrying fashion and philanthropy, empathy and activism. She's empowering newcomers to Toronto for a living wage and has bold plans to expand to India and Israel, where she envisions Arab and Jewish women working shoulder to shoulder to create pathways to peace. Born in Montreal, Kim lives with her family in Toronto, and she loves making people feel beautiful and believes the most gorgeous human beings radiate beauty from the inside out. Kim's empathy empire began with a humble social experiment, the empathy effect which marinated in Kim's imagination for over five years, which began as an idealistic hypothesis snowballed into a social movement combining poetry, photography, and above all, radical power of empathy. The hashtag Empathy Pledge is a promise to practice one act of empathy every day, symbolized by a lapel pin that captures our universal interconnection. Wearing the Empathy Pledge pin is not just a fashion statement, like all of Kim's creations, it's a badge of honor. Today, Kim's Empathy Empire inspires over 265,000 people on social media. And following the taping of this episode, Kim released the exciting news that she's been selected to participate in an international reality TV show filming this summer in Miami. The social movement will air on Amazon Prime and Apple TV. The show will bring together social entrepreneurs to solve some of the world's most pressing social problems. And now I would like to welcome Kim Smiley to Women Leadership Nation Breaking Barriers podcast. So thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. So when you were younger, what did you want to be? That's such a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. When I was like a little girl, like three years old or five years old, or what are you thinking? Yeah, like from the first memory of thinking of what your future could be. I wanted to be an artist. Wow. 
And so you're really following already your, your dream from a young age. And so when you say artist, what was, was it something just that you enjoyed or gave you a lot of pleasure? I think that we inherit things from our parents' legacies, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was a little girl, I was three years old and my brothers were five and seven. We went on a trip across Asia and we started in Israel and then we went east. My parents got a VW van and we just traveled by car across Asia. And on that trip, my parents, both of whom are very artistic, picked up a lot of tribal jewelry and art objects. And these were kind of my playthings as I was a little girl, three years old, which is such a formative age um, as a child, right? If you read psychology, especially Freud, right? These are the most formative years, like from, from that age on. And so my playthings when I was a little girl were these incredible tribal jewelry ob objects and art objects. This is what I played with on this trip. And I think that kind of sowed the seeds of the social enterprise that I would manifest many, many years later as an adult. But what's interesting, Jennifer, is that my parents always instilled in me the idea that I had to be autonomous, mm -hmm. that I could never depend on anyone else for my livelihood. And so although I was an artist from a really early age and I was self-taught and, you know, both my parents, as I said, were really artistic, I never thought that I could do it professionally just because we know that artists are often starving, right? And they're yeah. often, they only achieve success often posthumously, right? After they're dead. So I sought a different path, but I kept doing my art, you know, from when I was a little kid, you know, all through high school and then through university and then through my professional career as well. I always did my art, but it was a side hustle of my art. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even a hustle because I didn't seek to monetize it. It was just, it was a first love. It was really my first love art. And what was so exciting with the, the, the path that I took was that it led me, like you said, to my destiny in a way. Wow. That's it's amazing. Best, right. Which is, which is, which is really extraordinary. And I feel really, I feel really grateful that I'm able to do something that I just loved as a hobby since I was so young. Yeah. And you know what? It's so interesting to hear that because your jewelry is beautiful. And I actually can see that. I can see some of the influences when you were young and you were doing that traveling. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey. So like you said, you you recognize that maybe you need to start somewhere else that, you know, art may not provide you with that ability to have your freedom. So what is it that you chose and were you able to actually take some creativity from art and help did that help you as well in what you selected? Definitely. I think what my career was full of twists and turns. So I'm a, a great story for people who don't know what they want to do, because mm -hmm. often we put a tremendous amount of pressure on ourselves as women, but not just women, men too, just young people. Young people put a lot of oppressive pressure on themselves to know what it is they were destined to do. And I'm kind of a living example of the fact that there can be tons of twists and turns, lots of bumps in the road, and you could still manifest something that is, you know, what you're meant to do. I wanted to have the freedom to choose where I wanted to live. And because my, my studies were so specialized, you know, it's not like I was doing business or anything. Right. I studied um, Asian religion, mysticism, and compassion. Oh my God, that's so interesting. <laughs> and I, it wasn't like they were going to be knocking down my door, you know, for yeah. opportunities, right? So when you're in a field that's a little bit esoteric, you have to go where the jobs are. 
And so just by observing some of my friends who, you know, were graduating from Harvard, we have PhDs and ending up in places that weren't necessarily, you know, their first choice, but they were following where they lived based on where the jobs were. I decided that I needed to shift gears. So after I finished a postgraduate fellowship in Tokyo, I decided that I was going to try to work in a museum. That was my next, um, my next step. And so I started applying to different museums. I was at Harvard at the time. So I was applying to the Sackler Museum at Harvard and at different museums in Boston and Montreal, which is where I'm from, and Toronto. And ultimately, I ended up getting a job at a Holocaust center that was building a museum. So that started my trajectory working in the nonprofit sector. Wow, that's amazing. And actually, that immediately led me to really think about that, the empathy project that you started. Immediately, I can imagine with your ability to be so empathetic, how was holding a position in, in the Holocaust, how did that affect you? Working at the Holocaust Center was, in many ways, it was the biggest blessing, but in many ways, it was extremely challenging, just for all the reasons that you said about bringing empathy to the table every day in terms of just the way that I show up. Um, working with the Holocaust survivors, that was the, the biggest privilege of my career. I bet. And, um, it was my first job out of graduate school and I had no experience. And I found in the executive director there, one of the best mentors I've ever had in my life, a woman named Ann Unger. And she really taught me everything that I knew um, about nonprofit fundraising marketing, all these things, because I was an academic, I, I wasn't a nonprofit professional. But I think sometimes the best way to learn is on the job, not through school. And I could tell you that as someone who's been through a lot of school, but there are sometimes is no better way to learn than plunging headfirst into an opportunity mm-hmm. and absorbing the greatness around you. I had the privilege to work with N. And Ann Unger was a consummate professional in the nonprofit sector. She had a background in nonprofit and marketing and communications and fundraising. And she really took me under her wing. And because of her, I got my own wings and I was really able to soar and learn because we were such a, we were a really small staff. Mm-hmm. And because we were really small staff at the Holocaust Center and we were building a museum, I got to taste and experience everything that you can imagine about building a museum. So My dream was to work at a museum, but I actually got the opportunity to be the project manager to create a human rights museum. That's incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. It was such an honor. And I was just sharing with my team at a staff meeting that, you know, in the first um, week of me working at the Holocaust Center, one of the jobs that I had was transcribing testimony from Holocaust survivors. Oh, wow. And so you can imagine for someone who has empathy coursing through their veins, this Mm -hmm. was like a very jarring experience and task for me to undertake. And I was listening to the testimony and transcribing it because of a lot of, a lot of the Holocaust survivors had thick accents, like from Eastern Europe or Mm -hmm. wherever they were from. And so we were going to put captions on the bottom of the, of the screens in the museum. And, you know, I was listening to the testimony. I'd go home every night feeling so depleted and mm-hmm. feeling so torn and just feeling so heavy by the weight of the words that I was hearing and transcribing. And then one day I was listening to testimony and there was a woman, her name was Ursula, and she was talking about coming over from England 
to Canada, to Montreal, which is where the museum was. And she was so frightened. She was scared. She didn't know what to expect. She was a young girl, like a teenager. Like think of your own child, right? And, and yeah. think, like think of them on a boat. That's so sheltered. I can't, I can't even imagine. It's hard to put yourself in the shoes of this young girl, mm-hmm. right? Who was coming over and, and you can imagine the fear and her family was left behind in war-torn Europe. And, you know, what was so um, pivotal for me in, in my journey at the Holocaust Center was that I was listening to this testimony of this woman who was sharing it through these video transcripts that we had. And she said that a stranger approached her on the boat, knelt down beside her and handed her a cup of tea, touching her hand. She said, would you like a cup of tea, love? Mm-hmm. And just this kindness, this simple gesture of just mm-hmm. reaching out to a child, a stranger with just an act of just, you know, unadulterated kindness. Yeah. It's those little things. It's the smallest gestures. It could be a smile. It could be holding the door open for someone. Mm-hmm. But just in this particular situation, she changed the fate of this woman. She changed her entire fate of this. Really, uh-huh. she was a girl at the time because the girl didn't know what to expect. And she was so scared. And just like the, the kindness of a stranger reoriented her perspective and gave her new eyes. And uh-huh. she, she approached her new life in a, in, 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 with just like an optimism humanity out there and people care I mean that's all it's like you said it's the little little things that and you know what that woman may not have even known what a difference she made she probably didn't know and that's the thing when we go out into the world we don't know how small acts can impact people and Jennifer it works the opposite way too Mm -hmm. you know we can be in the world and we could we could say something to someone like you know we could be having an off day like everyone has an off day myself included I have them all the time and maybe I say something to someone that maybe isn't said with exactly the right tone and the person, the person's really hurt by it. We, we have a mm-hmm. lot of power. Words have a tremendous amount of power, but actions have the most power. So, you know, like I had a situation happen outside the store recently. Right. And I did something that the person perceived as uh, thoughtless. Mm-hmm. As it was, there was, there was a lot of snow and there was ice and I have a parking spot next to my store. And she started yelling at me. And, you know, I, I tried to sort of use my empathy mm-hmm. to say, listen, can we talk about this? And I'm, I'm sorry, like, I didn't mean to put you in harm's way, but it just shows you in COVID, people are just at the verge of exploding. Right? Yeah. And there might be something else that's going on in their mind that's so much bigger that you have to have that ability. And I think it's a practice. I don't know if you agree with that, that you sometimes have to like, whoa, take a breath before you respond. <laughs> It's so true, Jennifer, but I, I actually didn't take a breath. And so like in this moment, it was a learning opportunity for me because instead of doing what I usually do, which is practicing what I call Buddhist detachment, realizing mm-hmm. that it's not personal. She's not yelling at me because, you know, I did something catastrophic or I, I, I'm, I'm really at fault. I mean, maybe perhaps I was at fault in a certain sense, but she had something going on that had nothing to do with me. And mm-hmm. I, I simply was becoming a projection screen for whatever was happening in her day. And instead of practicing that detachment that I teach and talk about, I got upset. I didn't, I don't yell. So I I didn't yell back, but I I personalized it and Mm -hmm. I made an error in judgment by personalizing it. And, you know, in that moment, I lost an opportunity for just, um, for empathy. It wasn't Mm -hmm. an empathetic failure on my part. I wouldn't say that, that it was that strong. But I personalized her anger and it, it, it shook me to the point where I was literally shaking. Like my hands were literally, literally shaking after the, after the interaction. 
But just my point is that when we show up in the world realizing how the smallest gestures, whether positive or negative, can derail someone's day or even, you know, or week or month or whatever. And just because tensions are so high right now, Mm -hmm. we just have to be extra thoughtful about how we show up in other people's lives, right? Strangers and friends and family, just because now people are particularly sensitive mm-hmm. and they're, they're fearful and there's a ton of anxiety in the air as you, as you know, right, Jennifer? Oh, absolutely. I mean, one, one uh, practice that I'll share with you that I do with um, my son when he goes to bed every night is uh, I always uh, give him, I actually give him two stones or, or, crystals in a sense. And just from the sense of he holds something. So it's, you know, his attention is on something physical. And then I say to him, what are you grateful for today? One thing. And then I give him another one and say, what are you grateful for today? Because there's so much going on that we have to, I think, go back to having gratitude for even the small things. And, um, and it's also that detachment, you know, these kids are going to school virtually and they're not having that interaction and, you know, virtually too, there's, there can be, it's easier for kids to be bullying or certain things. And so kind of bringing them back to, you know, what's, what's right in the world. Right. I love that. I think that's so important. And stones, as you know, Jennifer can ground you like every stone has a different property, right? lavender has certain properties or, you know, amethyst has certain properties, like not lavender, sorry. Lavender is like a, like a plant. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually good for sleeping too, though. <laughs> yeah. Thinking of sleep because I didn't sleep well last night. So I was thinking I sprayed my pillow with lavender. Exactly. <laughs> I love that idea of like holding something and, and just bringing it to the jewelry that we create. We do a lot of pieces with um, genuine stones because yeah. One of the things I love to do is talking to my clients who are, I call it a girlfriend brand because like a lot of my clients are girlfriends. And one of the things that we do is we talk about what they're going through and what they're struggling with because the stones, like the natural world has healing properties, right? And we can integrate those healing properties into the jewelry that we create. So we can have a client, for instance, that's struggling with self-esteem and we could choose mm. like a self-love, like a rose quartz to like really elicit self-love. And, you know, if we're making a necklace, um, we could have, you know, self-love and a reminder of self-love and an actual physical stone on her heart. So she's reminded of the importance of self-love. Every time she looks in the mirror, she's reminded. So I love what you did with Ethan. Like, I think it really is so important to ground our kids because bullying, as you said, is so prevalent right now. Mm-hmm. Isolation and also look at the rates of suicide. Uh, they're oh, skyrocketed during COVID. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking to a journalist like a few weeks ago, and just like the the effects and the karmic dividends of what's happening with COVID mm-hmm. are the ripple effects are are just they're extraordinary. Like yeah. you know, the lockdown um last time was kind of the last straw for me because we were supposed to open on February 22nd. I got my flagship store. Um, it was a it was a coffee shop. I got it a year ago, and we constructed for ten months, and then we were open for two weeks, and then we had to shut down. We were locked. I, I noticed that it was so beautiful, and I was I was definitely I was like, oh my gosh! I saw the before and the after on social media, and how did that feel when you know you just sort of poured yourself into this and created something. And then all of a sudden you have to shut down. 
it, it was ups and downs. Like at the, mm-hmm. at the beginning I was feeling, you know what, I, I have a ton of uh, faith in my heart. So I was, I was like, okay, let's roll with it. God wants it or the universe wants it to go this way. Let's just embrace it. Let's innovate. Let's pirouette instead of pivot. Cause let's be graceful and set an example for other people you know, often challenges are opportunities, right? We know this mm-hmm. from like all kinds of different philosophy. And yeah. so I saw it as an opportunity at the beginning. And so I created this interactive window shopping and we were lucky enough to be covered by Global National News, which was a wonderful boost to the business. But I was working around the clock because of COVID. I, I didn't want anyone in the store aside from me because I wanted to protect the staff. Mm-hmm. And so it was tremendously difficult physically because um, my whole business was me at the beginning. Like it was mm-hmm. me. I was, I was the chief bottle washer, the designer, the postage person, like everything, the delivery girl. But now, you know, I was, I was um, lucky enough to get a, uh, an angel investor for my business. And we've built an incredible team. And I couldn't utilize my team because mm-hmm. I wanted to keep my team safe because empathy is the highest value in my business. Mm-hmm. And so I was running the company with my partner. We were running it alone. And I, you know, I was in the store, you know, pounding the pavement and, you know, mm-hmm. Jennifer, I made myself sick because I was working so hard. I was working 20 hours a day and mm-hmm. to fulfill the orders, like, thank God, because of the social media following that we had, we were able to really, you know, um, make it into an opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. with interactive window shopping and we would get on the phone you know, like I would pick up the, the phone and just do like iPhone appointments with, with the clients and like show yeah. them the store. And, you know, you have to be innovative or else you're going to die as an entrepreneur, right? You have to roll yeah. with it. But this last lockdown, it just hit me in the kishkas, you know, they say yeah. like, in, in Yiddish or Hebrew, whatever language that is. It just like, it really got to me because, you know, you can only take so much, right? Like it was, right. just, it was the, the mental kind of momentum that I had. I just felt like, someone just put like a stick in the spokes of my, my momentum by yeah. the lockdown. Cause like for all intents and purposes, we were opening February 22nd, right. we were opening. And then they said, I think February 21st or something. They're like, Nope, sorry guys. And it was just like, it was like, I felt like a balloon that someone had put like, like this really tiny pin in. And mm-hmm. I just felt like the air going out of my, you know, my mojo, basically it was really tough. I'm but really I- glad you're sharing that though, because I think that it's, it's natural to feel that way. And I think that it's really important that um, people are like, you are so open and honest about it because if other people are in that situation right now, I know I have a number of girlfriends that are running businesses and I kind of, I see the same thing that the first one was, okay, let's innovate. Let's come up with some ideas. And you know what? They did come up with ideas just like you have that probably are going to stick around. But then the second one is like, Oh, this is, we're in it for the long game. And would you say also it's this uncertainty and unknown? For sure. But I, you know, the one thing that I, that I, I think it was actually the third, the third time it happened. Like, I think there was mm-hmm. one other time that I can't even remember. But that's yeah, I think it's the third time now in this yeah, area. Yeah. The first time I was okay. The second time I was okay. It was the third, you know, they say they're like magic number three. But like you said, your girlfriends and I, we, you innovate as an entrepreneur. Like it ha- innovation has to be in your blood, right? I, I heard someone um, talking about Elon Musk who did a, you know, he was doing some kind of room on clubhouse and Mm -hmm. someone said, you know, how do you keep your energy going? You know, as an entrepreneur, like how do you keep it? And basically the answer was like, if you need to ask that question, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. 
Mm-hmm. In you or it's not. Like you don't need encouragement to be an entrepreneur. You have to be. You have to be self encouraging. Yeah. You know, if you don't have that as as a as a as an entrepreneur, then you're. It's going to be a very difficult road, and it'll probably lead to failure. I mean, entrepreneurship often does lead to failure, and mm-hmm. most entrepreneurs, including myself, have had a lot of failures along the road to get to where we are. But you know, you have to kind of lean into the failure. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Cheryl Sandberg talks about like leaning in, you know, to in a different way, but I talk yeah. about like leaning into failure because I think my failure has paved the path, you know, for this flagship store that has been a dream since I was a little kid, you know, to have something. Like We've literally yeah. turned it into a destination for beauty and empathy, Jennifer. It's we have a gallery Aww. in here. It's there's like an art museum in this in this Avenue, Eglinton Avenue West. And you know, my jewelry, like we talked about, it's wearable works of art. It's not jewelry, yes. like it's handmade by Syrian women who are incredible artisans in their own right. They're beautiful, beautiful artists that know how to make lace by hand. Um, wow. We're not making lace by hand here on a, like on an, on a sort of a, an average day, although mm-hmm. they do at home, they make lace by hand. And I'm dealing with such incredibly talented people in terms of the staff and the artisans that we employ that our game is perpetually being upped. You know, it's kind of like tennis. You're playing with someone who's better than you and you kind of like have to up your game. Yeah. That's what I feel like with the artisans that we work with is like, they're so creative and it's such a collaborative dialectical kind of process that, you know, it's, it's, I'm getting all these influences from Asia when I was like a young girl and from Syria, you know, where these women are from, where they fled the genocide there. Um, They also fled the genocide in Armenia. So the women that we employ are Armenian Christians, mostly, and they fled two genocides. So we're working with a population that has endured tremendous upheaval, anxiety, and stress, which is a reminder to us, like in times like COVID, you know, that people are built to survive and to Mm -hmm. thrive. You know what? When you said that, I just immediately was thinking that must give you so much empowerment and just a sense of that passion of even though things are hard in like you say with this third shutdown but that you have this beautiful team behind you of people that have gone through so much that you just have to get up and get it done absolutely that do you find that the people that are, you've surrounded yourself with are also inspiring you the people that i surround myself with are inspiring me every day to to strive higher and reach higher. When we had the honor of dressing Sophie Gregoire Trudeau when she was Mm -hmm. in India, um, you know, I think they were more excited than I was when she showed up like in India Mm -hmm. wearing one of my dresses and our jewelry. Like they were literally jumping up and down. I had Sylvie on the phone and she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Kim, turn on the TV. She's wearing (laughs) our dress, like pick up the, you have to go look at the TV. And just like the, the joy of watching that. And, and these are women, not Sylvie, because she's been here for a while, but one of our seamstresses, Nairi, I had the honor to give her her first paycheck in Canada. Like, mm. you know, it's so humbling. She was crying when I gave her the paycheck like four or five years ago. And I was crying too, because it's so humbling as a feminist and as an entrepreneur to be able to give those opportunities to people who are incredibly talented in many ways, way more talented than I am. Like it's, it's just, it puts everything in perspective. And, you know, from my beginnings at the Holocaust center, all of this kind of awareness is woven into my consciousness. 
Mm-hmm. So when I show up to work, I show up not as a jewelry designer, but as a human being who's had all these experiences in terms of my nonprofit work, you know, working at Habitat for Humanity, working at UJ Federation on with vulnerable populations, domestic violence victims, um, you know, I, I should say survivors and people dealing with addictions and mental health issues. Like that's my wheelhouse, Jennifer. So that's what I come to this mm-hmm. with. And that's why empathy is the guiding ethic and the beacon of my work. And this place that I'm sitting in right now that I really hope you can come to like on Monday yes. is by the time this airs, maybe like we'll be open, God willing. We, we really set this up to be a beacon in the dark because as you know, with COVID, there's a tremendous amount of darkness and heaviness. The ideas of light and weight are very woven into everything that I do just because I want us to be a beacon in the dark. And so we leave the lights on, you know, uh, at night we leave the lights on because metaphorically we want people to look out the window or pass us on the street and see that the lights are on. So we tell people that we will keep the light on for you. And, you know, we write these love letters every week. I send a personal love letter that to, we sent one to you, Jennifer, this morning. I read it. It was so beautiful. I, First of all, you're an incredible writer. When's your first book going to come out? <laughs> yeah, this year. And um, it's it it definitely like I think it's what's needed now. And and like you said, you, you know, it's not just the stones that are going to empower people and give them that that sense and that reminder when they're wearing your beautiful jewelry, but also hearing your story. It's also the people behind it, that their energy as well. Like it's, it's so empowering and, and making such a difference. I, I can't wait. Honestly, I can't wait to go to the store. (laughs) So sweet. I, you know what, it's what you're saying resonates so much with me, like in terms of how you're describing the jewelry, because for me, everything is about energy. And we bring energy in terms of the way we show up in life, like with our friends and our family and Jennifer, like the way you showed up today for this interview, like I was feeling like a little bit anxious, like to do the interview and like it wasn't working with the sound and everything, but you know, you just, it's a reminder that like, you know, you need to kind of like center yourself right first. Mm -hmm. And then you need to make sure your energy is in alignment with who you are existentially, right? Because I think when we show up in alignment with our energy and, you know, with, um, you know, with our purpose in place Mm -hmm. and just connected to our purpose, everything calms down and slows down, right? Because we're living in such a fast paced society. Like, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Like I eat quickly and I, like, I walk quickly, you know, I, I, I leave the house quickly and so I forget things and I, I don't digest properly. Like it, it has so many ripple effects what I really encourage people to do through my classes and and the teaching that I do is let's take a deep breath, right? Let's get centered in our energy, Mm -hmm. get connected to our higher purpose. Cause when we show up with, with our higher purpose and when we show up in alignment with our, you know, our divine plan of what we're meant to do in the world, people want to be around that because it, manifests light and positive energy, mm-hmm. which is what this place, this space, um, you know, the 1070 Eglinton Avenue West flagship is all about. It's about creating like a different space. It's, it's almost like we're, um, we're creating a, a moment in time that's almost standing still inside this, the mind it. So it's meant to be the chamber of the queen. That's the way that I designed the place because I feel like 
today, the way that young girls are brought up and the way that they show up with like all the influences that we have and all how everything is very hypersexualized. I just feel like I want to get back to sort of a more regal representation of women and girls. Remind women that they are the queen. We call them empathy queens, hashtag (laughs) empathy queens. And remind girls that they are the daughters of the queen, right? And so you don't need to bear it all in order to be beautiful. You know, what's Mm -hmm. hidden and concealed is often very beautiful. And that's more beautiful. And that's why, you know, the way that I dress in terms of the color and in terms of, you know, not necessarily putting my body on display, you know, for everyone to see, because that's more of a private thing. Um, I've changed a lot over the years. I used to wear like bodycon dresses and like fitting black, you know, I'm from Montreal. And I've just become mindful, I guess, about how I adorn myself. Right. And it's, it's, it's very empowering. Uh, You know what, like even what you're wearing today, when I saw it, uh, so it's a bright, beautiful pink with yellow tones. And just for me, like what I immediately started thinking about was, wow, like you're dressing for, first of all, it's a vibrancy and energy and happiness in a sense. So you're, you're choosing things that are making you happy and representative, not who you want to look like, but who you are inside. Absolutely. Jennifer, you, you get it. I feel like you could just like, you could, you yeah. could write the marketing material. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, like it isn't even, it's not about marketing. It's just about being who you are authentically showing up. And, you know, I get a lot of people asking me on social media, like, how are you so honest? And like, why are you so honest? And like, what's behind that? And I think that we naturally have a cynicism in terms of how we process and digest information. It's like, we're so suspicious. Like, Kim, like, why are you saying that? Like, why would you put yourself out there like that? And it's not that I'm putting myself out there like that because I'm framing it in a, as a brand. I'm just showing up as a human being yeah. who has flaws like everyone else and who has a tremendous amount of light to share from my soul. And so, you know, the, the body is the, it's almost like the dressing of the soul. So like mm-hmm. I dress as my soul feels and as I want my, my soul to feel right. And it's aspirational and my whole company is aspirational. So I rarely wear black because, you know, I am trying to channel light and mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, get in touch with my higher vibration. It sounds really new age. No, now. I know. You know what? Like we speak the same language and I completely understand. And I find that like when you're able to get to that point, that, um, and I don't know if you agree with this, but that it's actually easier to be yourself and to just be out there, open, honest, raw. And then it is to pretend to be what you think other people want you to be. A hundred percent. And that letter that we sent out, like the seeds of greatness love letter that you received today, it's all about that. Like, you know, there's this, uh, African proverb that I wrote about that I learned about you know, eons ago when I was a student at McGill in a cultural anthropology class that said, one woman's diamond is another woman's coal. We are all diamonds, right? But it's the way that people perceive us and it's the way that we perceive ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if we perceive ourselves as a piece of coal, guess what? We're going to end up like a piece of coal. But mm-hmm. if we channel like the diamond within and, and polish it and, you know, never give up and keep going and don't stop and just realize that we have divine nature within us, you know, you can call it Buddha nature. There's words for it in Judaism, Islam, Christianity. Every religion has words for that, that, you know, inner light that is in every human being. Mm-hmm. If we're able to get in touch with that, 
we had, there's, there's no limits on our potential. Like it's, it's extraordinary and it's majestic. And that's what I stand for. And it's what my company stands for is getting in touch with the highest potential and the highest manifestation of yourself. This isn't about jewelry. It's not about clothes, Mm -hmm. a lifestyle. And it's about self-actualization and being, like you said, the truest reflection of who you were meant to be. For your future, what do you envision? Is there something, you know how like you have this driving passion for certain things? Is there already something that you're working towards or that you you would like to achieve in the future? Yes. So thank you for asking me that question. So one of my colleagues, a woman I adore named Chantal, uh, gave me a gift recently. And it's in my story. You'll see it when you come and visit. And anyone's welcome to come and visit too next week. And they can see it too. And it's a it's a purple cow you know, the book that Seth Godin wrote, like on the purple cow, right? The marketing. And she had this purple cow drawn for me by a local Toronto artist. And she put, you know, like lace cuffs on the cow and like, Oh, that's so cool. And it was just such a thoughtful present from someone that I work with that I adore. And that just showed me that she gets like everything, you know, about me and what I'm trying to achieve. And like, just your question, I, um, I have major, um, lofty, crazy goals for, for my business. Like, you know, um, when I used to talk about my business goals and like, you know, I used to look at people listening to me cause like, cause I'm, you know, in tune with what people are feeling and I could just read body language and stuff. And I could tell that they were like, wow, okay. This girl's like far out there. You know, she's really far out there. <laughs> but I, I never let that deter me because because I, I'm, I try really hard through like meditation and all kinds of other things that I do to, to stay true to, to what I feel I was brought here to do. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like everyone has a divine purpose on the earth. Right. And, you know, I believe in, in many, many lives, right. And many masters and, and I believe in studying and learning and I'm a student, I'm still a student and I'll always be a student no matter how high, you know, my ambitions reach. Right. And so I have major lofty ambitions for this business, but I think that what sets me apart from other people is that um, I will always maintain tremendous humility because mm-hmm. I, as a woman of like faith and spirituality, know that the plan is higher than me and mm-hmm. the purpose is higher than me. And so if I stay true to myself and humble, and grounded, which is what you do with Ethan, with the stones, like keeping him grounded, Mm -hmm. it allows you to get in touch with your purpose in a way that, you know, if you do fail, it's okay because it's part of the plan. And I'm very mindful of the fact that only 4% of women receive venture funding. Mm -hmm. And so I am taking this opportunity, Jennifer, and I am going to the sky and the moon with it. I am not going to fail. I, I realize how this opportunity that I've been given through this venture funding and this angel investor I was able to bring on board, who is actually the president of my company. I'm the CEO, but I don't call it a chief executive officer. I call it chief empathy officer because mm-hmm. I'm setting the tone from a values and vision perspective in the business. My business partner, Ronnie Strasser, is a genius in business and operations and the back end. He always says that, you know, businesses fail by the back end, by stuff that people don't see. It's not the front end. It's not the glamour. That's not going to make you fail. It's the inventory and it's your processes, right? And it's, 
it's having your supply chain in place and it's having all these things that are not glamorous. That is what's going to make your business a billion dollar company versus one that doesn't get off the ground. Right. So part of my confidence in my ability to realize this dream is that I've surrounded myself with the most extraordinary people. Right. And, and you can't do it alone. That's the message. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. Myself as a solo entrepreneur, like I, you know, I, I, I just really, you know, drove myself into the ground. But like when I was able to secure this opportunity with this incredible investor who went to Harvard Business School, I went to Harvard Divinity awesome. School. Like I, I studied spirituality, <laughs> right? Yeah. What I love about my partnership with Ronnie is that it's like the business side is coming together with the spirituality and it's being woven into this like fabric where we're lacing everything with empathy, right? And that's what we're doing. It's lace jewelry, but really it's about lacing things with light and, you know, good energy and good vibes. And, and that's what really it's all about for me. We're going to be creating an empathy empire to answer your question. And it sounds lofty and it might sound slightly crazy and mad. No, I love it. (laughs) You know what? I don't care. You have to learn to block out the cacophony of, you know, dissenting voices. And as an entrepreneur, you have to just hug your vision, kiss it, embrace it, nurture it, love it. And if people don't want to buy into it, that's cool. They can have their own vision and I'm happy to cheer them on. But you have to kind of block out the noise and the negativity and, you know, I got to tell you, Jennifer, when you put your name up on a sign in gold lights, you know, on the corner of a, of a, you know, a building in Midtown Toronto, you're going to get some negativity. That's going to happen. And that's cool. That's okay. But what you have to do is you have to create empathy armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to realize it's not you. It's, it's actually somebody else projecting what they, you know, some of their demons that they have and that they need to heal from. Absolutely. And I love that you're you're really focusing on recognizing everybody has unique strengths and you're only going to be able to really achieve and grow as an individual your strengths if you're able to allow other people to, to take care of the back end, do some of the, the things and for you to be able to flourish and put your mind just into the area where you really flourish. 100%. And the, the other learning that I've had, because I've done everything in my business, is that we, we can't have competencies in all areas. We have weaknesses. I have tons of weaknesses. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. That's the reality. So when you're a girlfriend brand, you know, you have to do everything because you have to bootstrap it and you have to hustle and you have to be your publicist and your marketer and your website developer and all the different things. But ultimately I wasn't going to succeed in the vision that I had because my vision was too big to be contained within one person. Mm-hmm. My vision is so lofty and so huge that I needed other people's power, other people's brilliance in order to bring my vision to life. Because, you know, together, I think we're going to we're going to use all our energies and all our competencies. And that's what's going to realize Kim Smiley into a billion dollar company, not Kim Smiley working alone in her house. Like, that's not going to do it. You need to leverage the beauty and strength of other people in order to bring your own dreams to fruition. Oh my God. You've said so many incredible things. And I think that I can't wait for everybody to hear your interview because I think that it's needed at this time. People need that. They need that reminder. Thank you so much for your time. It's such a pleasure. I, I you, you actually made my day because I was feeling, you know, a little bit anxious again. Like I said, 
morning. And then like, it just, one interaction can reframe the week or the day or whatever. We just need to have, you know, an openness to that. Right. And so thanks for inviting me to be on your podcast. Thank you for listening to WLN's Breaking Barriers podcast. We truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with a friend, write a review, or donate and become a member of our community. To find out about the amazing perks available to our members, visit patreon.com forward slash WLN Breaking Barriers. We want to help you continue to learn and grow. So visit womenleadershipnation.com, sign up for our mailing list to keep in touch with us and receive invaluable resources and new podcast episodes delivered to your inbox. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep breaking barriers.